tell your friends, the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Max show, and uh, Thirsty Thursday is underway. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> wow. Are we having a well, flashback? That, what? <laughs> no, it's better than because I was actually thinking if you actually do this properly on Thursday, Thursday, mm. then Fatty Friday ends up not being quite so bad. So <laughs> how funny is it that over time and age, <laughs> oh, we wow. look at it and go, hmm, when I think of Thirsty Thursday, I think, yeah. what flavored water am I drinking today? <laughs> That's right. And Fatty Friday is get rid of those fatty foods, you know, <laughs> eat healthy. Like, you know what? I'm going to be honest, Mark. I did not live this long to now start eating Brussels sprouts and pretend I like them. I know. Yeah. They stunk when I was young. They stink now. I ain't eating them. <laughs> well, bless your heart, man. Yeah. All of that. I'm in that from- mood today. You know why? I got my Milky Way. I got my Twizzlers. I'm good, man. <laughs> you have your snack stockpile. It's yes, this I way do. every morning, the snack stock file. I'm over here typing and I I hear rappers rattling over that just just I hear rappers rattling. What are you eating now? Mm. <laughs> I'm over here you thinking about what I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> it eats you. <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show where hey coming up later on this morning we're going to give you the true story on whether or not there is a super bowl halftime flush thing (laughs) something that sounds real to me (laughs) is it still true Mm -hmm. we'll find out yeah um hey man you know uh tom brady uh yesterday you know he announced his retirement the other day yeah from the nfl and i actually thought he was going to try to break george blanda's record you know you remember george he played for the oakland raiders until he was in his late 40s he wasn't. He started out his career as a quarterback, but he became a field goal kicker later on. So mm. he, he was old playing in the league, but, you know, you kind of went, well, he's a kicker. You know, he's not in every play, you know, a, a quarterback like Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little more severe, yeah. but I just thought he was going to go for that, you know, thing. And yesterday, Bill Belichick actually, you know, they, there was in the last years of the Tom Brady era in New England, there had been some ruffled feathers between Brady and Belichick. And uh, anyway, uh, it was it was a very class thing from a very a guy I don't think of as class in Belichick. And when he talked about Tom Brady, uh, talked about his humble beginnings in the league and becoming the greatest NFL player of all time. Hmm. And uh, I thought, well, good for him. Yeah. You know, good yeah. for him That's because, it, yeah, it's. You know, I mean, a lot of people, it's interesting, Mark, you and I both talk about ups and downs of life, but I tend to gravitate towards those stories that say, see, you can do it. You know, yeah, yeah. It, no matter what it is, no matter what your walk of life, look at, ex- look at people who have already done it, hmm. um, from, you know, more, worse circumstances than you yeah, and see how they did it. And don't blame your circumstances. There's no excuse. Do not blame your circumstances. It doesn't mean I'll give you a good example of, of being a sport, a player. I Mark and I talked about this before the show. You might have a dream and a desire to play a, a professional sport, but you might not have been blessed with the talent necessary. Mm. There are some sports that you can work hard, you know, and work your way into a position. Other sports, not so much. You actually have to have a little talent, you know, yeah, true. but the thing is you can find your pathway to success based on if you really know yourself and know what you're capable of and really have some, you know, be clear sighted about it. Yeah. But Tom Brady, he, the guy, what he didn't stink, you know, he, he might not have been highly recruited or highly sought after. He was good enough in college football to be drafted by a team. You know, yeah. you realize how many football players come out of college every year that don't get drafted. Mm. If they talk about, he was drafted so low and blah, blah, blah. He was, drafted he was on somebody's radar because he was good enough yeah anyway but it's still a good example i mean just don't give up that's all i say is you just don't give up go do your thing Mm -hmm. yeah we've both worked with people in radio that have speech impediments yes i'm gonna be honest with you in the world of radio if you have a speech impediment right maybe you're not the guy they're looking for on the air i actually worked with a guy who was such a big brown noser he could not say the word w he yeah. couldn't say but he worked 
east of the Mississippi, where every radio station began yeah. with W. He couldn't say it, yeah. and he still kept a job in radio. Yep, yep. You know, you were talking about the guy who eventually became the field goal kicker. His name just went Yeah, Blanda. Yeah, 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 George, George Blanda. Blanda. Yeah, George Blanda. And I remember when you said that, I said, yeah, I remember that name. And then you know how the the pages start falling away and you start remembering more and more and more. And I started remembering as you were talking about Brady, I started remembering, I remember the cartoons that came out back then. He's because he's so old, but he's a kicker. And, and I remember the cartoons, one cartoon in, in specific particular where, uh, the, they walk this, the, this old man in a robe, nurses walk him out onto the field and position him in front of the football, take his robe off, and he's emaciated. He's old, he's frail, and one leg is huge. <laughs> <laughs> and that's who that was. <laughs> liferadio.fm it's the mark and mac show where robot vacuums have escaped and are now terrorizing the town (laughs) sheldon always thought it was going to be the atms that would lead the attack i believe it's the robot vacuum (laughs) the staff at a travel lodge hotel in cambridge england (laughs) were too busy to take notice when a small pet triggered the hotel's automatic front door and (laughs) their and escaped into the wild well not a pet exactly it was Mm -hmm. a robot vacuum cleaner that belonged to the hotel (laughs) you know one of those Roomba things a social media post asked the public to keep an eye out for it and a comment on the post expressed fear for its safety as nature abhors a vacuum (laughs) that was just wrong (laughs) they found it stuck in a hedge the next day And, and returned it unharmed to its natural habitat. But Wow. <laughs> you imagine parking. You're pulling up to this hotel, pull into a parking space and get out. You're unloading your luggage, and you see this Roomba vacuum sweeping the parking lot. You're looking out there going, hey, 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 dude, look both ways before going across that street. liferadio.fm the mark and max show we do appreciate you joining us every day more and more people are finding life radio and it's because of you and and just want to tell you thank you yeah um also you know don't forget on the main page liferadio.fm uh there's a daily bible reading keep up there daily podcast of the mark and max show and uh you know music playing all day long the just the best music all day when you know I, I will tell you that it will change your mood it'll change and you know change your mood change your day okay give it a try tell your yeah. friends liferadio.fm and to answer the one question my wife keeps asking yeah uh, because whenever she tells a friend well you know that well what a friend will say haven't heard of dave in a while is he still what's he doing and she'll be all the mark and mac shows on life radio blah 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 how do you hear it well it's a network okay so here's the deal if you're at the dixie mart in welburn alabama okay (laughs) you can listen to liferadio.fm if you're in bend oregon you can listen to liferadio.fm 98% 98% of the people in the United States of America have a phone, a cell phone. Right. And if you go there, there are things called apps that you can download. Um, you don't have to. You can actually find live, just go to Life Radio, go in your you know search window or whatever online. But if you download the app for Life Radio, it's amazing. It's fast. It loads like boom. Yep. It's just like turning your radio on. It is, and it's yeah. right there on your phone with yep. all of your other things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try to located on the dial think about that a station that can be heard in bend oregon to welburn alabama gonna be a little tough you know we don't have the million watt transmitter that wolfman jack had in mexico so we have the and we are working on putting on some stations okay i have talked with a number of different individuals but you have to understand there's there's a lot more to it than just putting it on a terrestrial radio station yeah Uh, there have to be a lot of things and so we are praying about it and if that's what if that's what needs to happen, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's not really going to be our call, uh, but this is working out well, and we just thank you for sharing the yeah. love. Yeah, I actually showed it to but a it, couple of people inside the Disney parks last week. <laughs> uh, 
I was going to ask you if you were dropping the stickers everywhere because I think you get in trouble for that in Disney. <laughs> no. unless, unless they got ears on them, you know? Well, I did pass a couple of stickers out to some people we met. And yeah, and uh, I, I showed them how to get the app. And, you know, some friends that I know down there. I said, oh, yeah, yeah this is what we're doing now. Right. I showed them how to get it. It's real tough. Uh-huh. You go to your app store, type in Life Radio. There you go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not tough. Look, if Dave can do it. But yeah, I, was about, I was about to say, done. if it was any harder, neither one of us could do uh, it. <laughs> no. It's amazing, though. I mean, it really is cool. I love showing it off because it's yeah. not like I keep it loaded, you know, but it's like I, I'm not kidding when I tell you that I keep at, I'm like with LaDonna. I'm like, well, baby, when you're in the car, what do you do? You, what do you listen to when you're in the car? I mean, Hannah, you know, she actually will listen to, to because, you know, she's always in an aux thing. She's using yeah, Bluetooth yeah. to connect yeah. to the car or whatever. And so terrestrial radio stations don't mean anything to her or right. anybody under the age of 25 or 30, you know? Right, yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I'm after is that when you try to explain it to somebody that is in our age group, it's a little different than mm-hmm. it is telling somebody that's younger because yeah. They don't see that they don't see a difference. They don't right, watch yeah. TV the way we do. They don't listen to radio the way we did. Yeah. And and I mean it's a good thing. It's just if they're under twenty five, if y'all are great mm-hmm. and it's easy, please yeah. show an adult. Yeah. And if they don't get it, I'm not saying that all old people should be just terminated, you know, like hey, get in the box, hey, here's the nails. Hey, I'm not know, suggesting that. Hey, if no. they don't get technology is what I'm right. saying. If and, they can't I'm not suggesting that. Right. But and, I think if you did it if you let a couple of them into the hole Others would follow suit, you know, <laughs> they'd either learn it or go. Yeah. And I've noticed that too. It is easier. You tell somebody under a certain age, yeah, it's uh, the liferadio.fm app in your app yeah. store. And they pull their phone out and pull their app store yep. up. Boom. And over that age line, they go, okay, well, what, where is that on the dial? <laughs> if you start, if they go and they reach into their pocket and go, jitterbug, dum, dum, a jitterbug, dum, dum. that's when you know I'm, I'm lost. It's a lost cause. liferadio.fm the mark and mag show you know a couple of minutes ago when we were talking about life radio the, well kind of got me started on that mark i was going to ask you about the whole facebook meta thing going on mm-hmm. meta meta yeah. because i don't quite get it and a friend of ours mark harvard uh hey mark hey. he actually was sharing something uh about an online uh church a, a virtual church okay yeah and it was like it's in the metaverse or whatever that thing's called and I, I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I want to do it. I want to see what's going on with this, but I, I'm having trouble grasping it. You know, yeah. it's like I'm sitting in math class, algebra one, and I'm not quite understanding the equation, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> what am I missing? And so why are there letters on the board? <laughs> yeah. In order to experience this, you have to, the metaverse, in order to experience that, you have to have the 3d stuff, right? The virtual, like the Oculus stuff or whatever. Yeah, vir- virtual reality glasses or yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. Do. All right. So it like, um, all right. So if we were to set up a store, a life radio store inside the metaverse, okay. Um, would it, we would go online and build a store and everything else. And people could then virtually come into the store. I guess I haven't really looked into it that much. Oh, okay. I see. I, whenever I see something technical, I just think that I got to talk, talk tomorrow. I forgot that we do quit learning things after 58. It all stops. I, I can't pull anything like that up on my jitterbug. So I, you know, I don't even try. (laughs) Well, Mark Zuckerberg is warning people against taking screenshots of Facebook messenger chat. And I don't understand why. Yeah, if it's my chat between you and me, why why can I not take a screenshot of that? Well, if you do it, I think the thing is, if you're doing it and you're not letting somebody know, oh, I'm saving this, you know, uh, your friends are going to know when you've done it. Now, a new series of updates to Facebook Messenger has been announced, including an end to end encryption like they have over on WhatsApp. That uh, it's another private messaging app. And Zuckerberg has warned people to be wary of one of those new features. He said users will be notified if somebody screenshots a disappearing message because the texts are supposed supposed to automatically vanish after a set period of time. That means if a friend sends you a secret message, they don't want you to have forever and it's set up to disappear after a certain amount of time, and you screenshot that message, they're going to know you did. 
Well, Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. Zuckerberg wrote on his Facebook profile, quote, new update for end-to-end encrypted messenger chats. So you get a notification if someone screenshots a disappearing message. We're also adding mm-hmm. GIF stick, GIFs, stickers, and reactions to encrypted chats, too. Then he shared an exchange with his long-term wife and partner, Priscilla Chan. Zuckerberg makes a cheesy joke about a supercomputer, and Priscilla makes takes a screenshot demonstrating how the notification will work in action once disappearing messages mm. are activated. The feature is similar to a longstanding tool in Snapchat where your messages and pictures disappear after a set period of time. If you okay. think disappearing messages are for you, well, here's how you turn them on. First, you open oh. a chat with somebody in Messenger. You swipe up from the bottom of the screen. You'll get a notification telling you to swipe for vanish mode. Keep swiping up until the blue circle on your screen is filled. And vanish mode will Uh then be activated. Just make sure to keep an eye out for that notification about your messages being screenshotted. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so here's your workaround, friends. You want to save something? Mm -hmm. You pull it up on your regular computer and take a picture of it with your cell phone. There you go. Done. (laughs) liferadio.fm the mark and mac show mark i i did want to go back to something we were talking about a few minutes ago about mm-hmm. the facebook metaverse thing yeah all right when my, our buddy mark harvard had posted something about church online you know and about going to this virtual church and i actually did look at it a little bit and again i don't even know where to begin with the whole idea of virtual stuff okay mm, yeah i want to learn because it's fascinating to me but what i was hit with was um the blowback. There were a number of people who immediately were just negative about a different way of worship. Okay. Yeah. And that's actually what drove me to go and take a a better look at it. And the teaching was solid. It was a particular church online. Okay. And and it was a really, it was an interesting looking experience. Yeah. Um, Granted, it might not be for you or me, but again, we have a generation of people that are being raised considerably different than, than we, mm-hmm. and I noticed the negativity coming from people and it was not judgmonious. Yeah, it was, it was, it was judgmental, sanctimonious, just really, it was not, it was not comfortable to me mm-hmm. because I, and I, I mean that from the standpoint of we're not putting our best foot forward. Okay. If something if somebody is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and is sharing the truth with a lost and dying world, I don't find the negative there. It might not be for me. It might mm. not be something that I would do like that. Yeah. But you know what? There are a lot of con- I wouldn't have gone to a Petra concert in 1985 either. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there are or for, for that matter, you know, maybe you're not into Southern gospel stuff, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever it happens to be. There are different strokes for different folks. So. I'm just encouraging, don't be negative about it. You know, this could, it could be a very interesting way of sharing the truth with people online that have no idea what the truth is. Yeah, that's true. And And that's their world. Their world is online, you know? And that's the thing about, uh, about spreading the gospel and is that you have to be clever. You have to, you have to Mm -hmm. find a way to get into places where the people are. You just, right. Why, why do you think we're here? I mean, <laughs> right. We've got an app. Well, we're on the web. We're everywhere in right. the U S the UK and Canada. We're all, all over yeah. the place. You can hear us everywhere. You can get a cell signal and right. And that's and why Puerto we're, Rico, we got a bunch of listeners in Puerto Rico. Isn't that interesting that we're in Puerto Rico as well? It, I does, know. it doesn't it's show so when, when I look at the maps it, I don't see the, I don't see Puerto Rico lighting up. And I guess it's because mm-hmm. it's considered part of, the, you know, it's a U.S. territory. It's part of the U.S. Yeah, yes, right. It yeah. Is. So, right. And you see that little, it's funny, you see that little red dot where Hawaii is on the map. It You see it light up, but I don't see Puerto Rico light up. That's anyway. Maybe it's, maybe because it's a lot smaller. Anyway, I but I digress. Um, yeah. The uh, So we should be doing something like this. I mean, services, having services online during uh, the pandemic, I mean, that's exposed some people that never would have been exposed before because they don't feel threatened by going into a church. So they pull the church up online and they're exposed to the gospel there. And now you have this opportunity with the metaverse, you know, to, to do the same thing essentially. And some, and, and it's just not real people. It's all sort of computer generated stuff. It's a little bit different. And I know what you, when you're talking about the negativity and I, I pulled but. Mark Harvard's a buddy of ours. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, uh, he is basically a current tech kind of 
guru. He's he is a guy who knows about how to plug your your ministry or whatever you do into the existing framework of uh, technology. And he's he's really good at what he does. He writes for he writes articles for magazines, stuff like that. He's and that this is what he does. And I looked at this one of the things, uh, and I won't tell who it is, but sorry, Mark. There's no better nothing better than in person worship that human connection and his answer is is perfect hey nobody's saying it's better or worse it's just a different avenue that some might be more likely to take the end goal is the same bring people to christ that just looks different for some than it does for others that was actually the very specific comment that was resonating in my brain yeah that's what caught my attention was when the lady wrote that and i was like wait why that's the negativity that i don't see the point and having done this for a long time that's what bothers me yeah. is that there is this immediate, I don't like it, it's new and different, and, you know, you changed out the hymnals, you're sitting in my seat, and I'm going to be honest, exactly. there's a place for that, yeah. you know? We ain't never but had drums in church everybody. before, it, this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you don't even have to do that with an accent. I was actually in a church in Southern California as a child and actually had to walk past people that were picketing a church that because they had a band. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I, wow. I Yeah, they were outside the church where I was baptized. Wow. And there were these people, yeah, they were picketing but they were going to hell. I'm like, really? Okay. And, and that's, that's why I feel the way I do, I think. And yeah. so I saw that comment and I saw a few others. And all I'm saying is as a believer, if you have a negative thing about something, unless I'm going to be honest, unless it's something about the word of God that somebody is saying that, you know, unless it's something like that, if it is just your opinion on worship or whatever, save it take it private you don't do that in public there's no point in that it's just Mm. what if that is somebody's only connection their world is online they do everything online and this is another extension you just told them you know Uh this sucks don't do it and you're like don't oh and and by the way the same people that will get upset about that are the ones that are going to be upset i said sucks liferadio.fm. It's the Mark and Max show. Great to have you with us today. Uh, Mark, you know, I've told you about the different shows that my grandson Braylon has hooked me, you know, on uh, <laughs> yes. YouTube. And one of those is magnet fishing. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I think it's fascinating looking for hidden treasures. I don't know if this is a guy thing. The videos I've seen seem to be male dominant yeah. um, because I guess we're all, we're all looking for that leprechaun, I think. You know, <laughs> if you find the leprechaun, you know the treasure's not far behind. Yeah, looking for but that buried these treasure. Guys, yeah, and these guys are actually looking for buried treasure in the water with magnets. It's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's kind of like guys with the metal detectors on the beach. It's the same sort of thing. But this guy and his 11-year-old grandson found a little more than they were bargaining for during a weekend fishing trip. They pulled up two 50-caliber Barrett sniper rifles out of a canal near Miami. Dwayne Smith told the Miami Herald he saw a YouTube video about magnet fishing, decided to give it a try on Sunday. Ah, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> they dropped a five-pound magnet into the uh, C-102 canal in southern Miami-Dade County. He says, we ended up with two pounds of scrap metal and 40 pounds of gun. The, gun- <laughs> <laughs> the guns weren't loaded. They didn't find any ammo. The Barretts had so much mass, he says. Uh, Mr. Smith, he's 61. Oh, that explains a lot. He's crossed the 60 line. So. Yes. <laughs> the magnet went straight down. It went straight to him. He told the newspaper he was concerned because the serial numbers on the lower receivers of these weapons and the bolt of one of the rifles were filed off. Yep. He says, whoever did this is not your run-of-the-mill criminal. You um, think? He called Miami-Dade police, and two officers came out to pick the guns up. Detective Christopher Thomas told the Herald, it will likely take the department a while to determine if the weapons were used in a crime. He says, judging by the photo, those have been there for a while. That said, it'll take some time for the weapons to end up at our forensics lab, and once there, they'll be processed. Smith said he wasn't, isn't convinced the guns were in the water very long. He says they were wrapped in plastic, and he wiped away most of the corrosion in 30 minutes. Quote, it looked like it was Yikes. something that someone would want to come back for. He wasn't convinced the guns were in the water very long. Yeah. But it took him 30 minutes to wipe the corrosion off. I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to that much effort. You realize the person that put it in there, he might not be able to read, but he knows how to shoot a gun and he knows how to get rid of it. You know, the yeah, evidence. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> evidence just needs to stay at the bottom of the river, you know? So what I'm thinking is that's what you get from it. I'm thinking is 
wait, how much evidence did he wipe away by cleaning the guns right. off? Right. <laughs> yep. 30 minutes worth. Uh-huh. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And Mark, uh, yes. there was a scene in one of the Batman movies with Christian Bale. And I, I loved it because Morgan Freeman played, you know, a mm-hmm. really important part in the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it was I, it was the one with the Joker when when the guy who works for uh, uh, Wayne, you know, the, the company. Oh, yeah. And he's an auditor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he goes to uh, uh, Morgan Freeman, who's the chairman. And uh, he says he's figured out who Batman is, you know. <laughs> and Morgan Freeman says, so your plan <laughs> is to blackmail a guy who's a billionaire who goes out at night and fights crime on his own. <laughs> and the best plan you've got is to blackmail this person. <laughs> just, you know, it's yeah. like, cause he's, he, the, I'm just thinking how many times you've gone into a meeting where you had it all planned out as what was going to happen. Yeah. And you walked out feeling like this chump, you know, yes. it's like, cause he was thinking <laughs> I've got 10 million a year for the rest of my life, uh-huh. you know? And he walked out of there with without a job kind of thing, you know, uh-huh. like, hmm. wow, Oops. million six. All right. So a teenager, asks Elon Musk yeah. for $50,000 yeah. for something very specific. And I'm I'm just guessing if Elon Musk actually has enough money to buy people. I mean, there are people that would sell themselves to Elon Musk, okay? Yeah, true. That's how much money he's got. Yeah. He's, he, you, you think yeah. $50,000 means anything to him? Yeah, it's literally pocket lint to this guy. It really yes. is. And the, you, I, I saw these stories about the... Uh, being offered five thousand dollars, right? This the story. Elon Musk offers teenager five thousand dollars for blah blah blah. And I thought, wait a minute, that's like here's a penny. You know, it's actually a lot less than that to him, right? Right. Well, a teenager. But it shows you that Elon Musk has some concept of money. Yes. And it's like you're you're a teenager. Five grand should be fine. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, this teenager asked Elon Musk for fifty grand after the billionaire requested that he st- he delete a Twitter bot which tracks his private jet. Nineteen year old Jack Sweeney turned down an initial offer of five thousand to shut down the Elon Jet account, saying the payment wouldn't replace the satisfaction he receives from running it. Well, Musk huh. described the tracker, which uses publicly available air traffic info, as a potential threat to his safety. When you think about Correct. it, you think about it, yeah. He's got a big target on his back. You tell people, crazy yep. people where he is, that's trouble. Mm-hmm. The University yep. of Florida student described himself to Business Insider as a fan of Mr. Musk and said he'd created the bot as because it would reveal what business is going on and where he's going. Now, Mr. Sweeney has launched similar accounts tracking the planes of Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. The accounts state that they track the aircraft, not who may or may not be on board. The student also has a part-time job with a company called Uber Jets, which tracks chartered flights and allows its customers to identify cheap seats. Mr. Sweeney shared a direct message from Mr. Musk in which the tycoon said, quote, Can you take this down? It is a security risk. He adds, I don't love the idea of being shot by a nutcase. Eventually, <laughs> eventually, Mr. Musk said, how about 5K for this uh, account and generally helping make it harder for crazy people to track me? At this point, the teenager tried to upsell, quote, any chance to up that to 50K? It would be a great support in college and would possibly allow me to get a car, maybe even a Model <laughs> 3. The billionaire eventually declined, explaining it didn't feel right to pay to shut down the account. But Mr. Sweeney said the the advice he had shared about protecting the jet's identifying number appeared to have been adopted. The teenager said he may he'd made the correspondence public to try to reopen negotiations with Mr. Musk, whether for an increase on the initial monetary offer or an internship. You know, I I see where he's headed with it, but he well, he's doing He's being a little clumsy about it. You know, there's a better way of handling something like this. He's 19. And if he wants something from Elon Musk, uh, he has to make it where it's not a threat. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not a, pre- a quid pro quo. It actually has to be, okay, I'm going to do this. I would like to introduce myself to your company kind of thing. You know, right. there's yeah. got to be a, a smoother, better way of doing this because what he basically did is he's a guy who, a young man who wants to have a career in this field of, you know, technology and super brains. 
and he's making one of the best at it and richest at it mad. <laughs> a billionaire mad is not a, that's a guy who can actually send the real Batman to your front door. You know, you open the door. I'm Batman. Get rid of it. You know, no, it wouldn't be the front door. The kid would roll over in the middle of the night and see a shadow in the corner of his room and realize, uh oh. Actually, you know, Musk is so rich he could get Christian Bale to dress up as <laughs> yes, Batman he could. and go. The, yeah. Mark and Mac mornings only on Life Radio FM. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac Show, and always a pleasure uh, being here. We never take it for granted that uh, you take time to listen, and we take time to play, and just want to make sure we're all cool, you know. So tell a friend if you get a chance, and yeah. uh, don't forget to go check out the daily Bible reading. You know, it's uh, an amazing thing how often we forget. You know what? Maybe everybody else does, and I, I'm the only one that forgets mm-hmm. that there are days where I actually I'll have the Bible and I don't read it. And oh I'm man. Like, you know, and, and you know, it, it's like you, you feel like you're missing something mm-hmm. and you realize what it is. And it's yeah. wow. And then I tend to think about it when I do that uh, of taking things for granted, you know, living in this country, we get caught up in, you know, there's a lot of negativity about politics and things like that. But there are places around the world where they can't have a Bible yeah. and they they being the the believers will share a, a page that they, you know, it, it's getting passed around to different, yeah. you know, Bible groups and they yeah. get this page or two and they, you know, it's just, that's amazing to me. I remember when you, you pointed it out years ago to me about that one time and I, it has stayed with me ever since of no matter what's happening in the politics of the world, we have to be careful and we have to watch what's happening because those basic freedoms, you know, there are evil people in the world that would love to see it where you can't read the Bible. Yeah. And it's like anybody who is truly afraid of the truth, you have to worry about that. Yeah. Somebody afraid of the truth, you know? Yeah. I, and you, you may think, anyway. well, that would never happen here. Fact, this, oh, is, this is the United States of America. We'd never let that happen. Right. here. For the past two years, we have, uh, we have uh, forced people to, to wear things on their faces that they didn't want to wear. We have locked yep. schools down. We have locked students out of schools. We have made school. Uh, yep. Right now we're making their schools across the country, making their students mm-hmm. eat their lunches outside in the cold, separated by six mm-hmm. feet, sitting on buckets. Yep. There are, uh, yep. there are governments in, in states in this country, which are, are making it impossible to, to live freely just because they right. have an opportunity to do so. So, yes, that could very well happen yeah. here. And there is it, an, is, happening. The, it is happening. And there is an uptick in anti-Christian sentiment right now. Yeah. Because, and, and it's, it's all because of this, this wave of leftist power that's rising right now. And people are feeling more confident in their, in, in their ability to take control of things that they want to take control of. And one thing that is dangerous to them is people who don't rely completely on them. And when your faith right. is in God, you don't rely on a government. You know that God's no. God's taking care of you. You know the old His eyes on the sparrow thing. It's you know He's taking yeah. care of you, and you don't remember that back in the seventies. Yes, you know when the big the big boogie monster of the USSR. Yeah, and I remember being where I'm. I can't remember the teacher's name, but I remember saying, you know where she. It was an offhanded comment. It was actually at public school, and she, you know they they don't have God there. You know, yeah. They might have really nice looking churches, but they don't actually, you know, the government, it's not a sanctioned thing having, you have to believe in government, not Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. And I really did think, well, how is that even possible? And it's like two generations. That's all it takes. It's two. You're talking about 35, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah, It can happen. Yeah, it can. And it can happen here. So just look at the past two years for your example, like that where people in power have, have grabbed more power. And when they realize that they can't get power from people who, don't put their faith and trust solely in them and the government, then they will take actions to make sure they do. Life radio.fm, the Mark and Mac show where, you know, at least once a week, Mark, we have a story about somebody finding something in a thrift store or mm-hmm. something around their house that they haven't really paid much attention to. But all of a sudden they find out it's worth thousands and thousands of dollars, which yeah. if I've got something sitting on the mantle, 
I wonder how would anybody know? I mean, unless they're in my house going through my stuff, you know, right, yeah. how would it end up? It's like, okay, it's a three stooges mug. It's just sitting up there next to the picture of Mimi and Paw. So how do you know how much it's worth? Unless I say, well, you know, back in the day, yeah. Or, 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 maybe, for, or maybe you kick off, you know, <laughs> and your family has the stuff in the house appraised just out of curiosity and they find oh, out. Oh, so they're not going to keep the stuff important to me. They're going to sell my stuff when I'm gone. Uh-huh. Oh no. Of course they are. <laughs> That's what happened uh, with this, uh, this situation, a, a lead sculpture, it spent decades on the mantle of a British farmhouse was identified as a rare piece of by British artist, Henry Moore. It's expected to fetch up to $70,000 at auction. The sculpture, wow. which is scheduled to be auctioned on March 16th by uh, Drew Eats. I guess that's how you pronounce the name. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Was identified as a work titled mother and child by 20th century modernist sculpture, Henry Moore. The odds are this looking actually like people is very, very mm-hmm. slim if it's a modernist sculpture. <laughs> right. I'm just thinking mother and child reunion. Wasn't it that all yes. time in an art garfunkel? Yes. Okay. The auction house said the sculpture was on the mantle in John Hastings, Wiltshire, England home from the 1970s until his death. See? In 2019, the family had Hastings' belongings appraised after his death. See what I said? (laughs) And the appraiser pointed out the sculpture's similarities to works by this artist named Moore. The Hastings family contacted the auction house and the Henry Moore Foundation, both of which had the artwork authenticated by their respective experts. Drew Eats specialist Francesca Withams said the sculpture is considerably especially considered especially rare as Moore only worked with lead briefly back in the 1930s. She said the piece was previously unknown to experts. Um, they, uh, she says what's significant is that the Henry Moore Foundation was not aware of this sculpture, despite wow. Moore keeping meticulous records. The sculpture is believed to have been a gift from Moore to Hastings' father, Hubert de Cronin Hastings, who was an editor at the Architectural Review for nearly 50 years. The magazine uh, frequently featured Moore and his artwork. The piece was then later passed down to John Hastings, um, a a representative of the the family. family, The first chance the family gets is to sell it. (laughs) Yeah, this was all real important to Papa. Get rid of it. Uh (laughs) It's lead. Come on. (laughs) Well, they did say that uh, their their dad was a countryman and farmer who bred sheep and livestock, and he was more interested in his animals than fine art. (laughs) So so he probably would have said, oh, you want to sell that thing? Fine, go ahead. Well, sure, he's dead. We can say that now, but actually, you know, you realize you got pictures of him where you, you know, you got family photos where, where's, where's Papa? Oh, he's in the background of the picture. He's staring at this thing. Every day he spent 11 minutes staring at it. It was really important to him, but no, we don't care. It's lead. Get rid of it. Get the lead out. LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac show. You know, after the last thing talking about the lead sculpture being worth you know thousands of dollars yeah. and family puts it up for grabs as soon as the as soon as the old man dies they're in there getting his stuff appraised <laughs> i'm not kidding man i am seriously considering going to the thrift store today and buying just a bunch of gunk and you know <laughs> just just to give my family something to do you know when i when i die yeah here you want to sell yeah. it go for it <laughs> yeah that's right it ain't worth nothing it's worth nothing you know <laughs> All right, Mark, I saw this story and I'm going to be honest. It caught my attention because I went, really? 16 miles. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rail car breaks away from Washington train. Uh Uh-huh. Travels 16 miles down the track. Yep. Authorities in Washington said a rail car broke away from a train and rolled nearly 16 miles on its own before they got it stopped. The Walla Walla (sighs) County Sheriff's Office... (laughs) I really just picked the story oh, no. so I could say Walla Walla. <laughs> the Walla Walla. Wasn't, that, it wasn't Walla Walla featured in the movie uh, Meatballs? I don't one remember. One of the songs the, the counselor sang? I don't remember, but I do remember that it came up in a Big Bang Theory uh, episode where they're trying to decide oh, okay. on baby names. <laughs> what do you want to name him? Walla 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 Walla. Walla, Walla. Yes. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) The Walla Walla County Sheriff's Office said the empty tank car broke away from a Columbia Walla Walla railroad train in Walla Walla. (laughs) I just want to say Walla Walla again and rolled uh, to the Touche area before being stopped by emergency responders. Walla Walla County Undersheriff Joe Clunt 
who posted video of the loose rail car to Twitter, said the tank car reached a top speed of about 50 miles an hour while it was loose, but it had slowed down to about three miles per hour after rolling up a steep hill near Touche. He said the reduced speed allowed a responder to climb aboard the car and apply the brake. The sheriff's office said nobody was injured in the incident. Columbia Walla Walla Railroad <laughs> owner Paul Didlis, or Didlius said... Um, an investigation is underway into what caused the car to break away from the train (laughs) now mark yeah as somebody who spent a lot of years in management at radio stations around this great nation of ours if i had a news director that tried to pass that story okay Mm -hmm. with those names in it Mm -hmm. i'd have to sit down and say okay which ones are made up i mean (laughs) diddliest walla walla come on man Uh, yeah (laughs) i'm thinking it's late in the day you're on your way home from work you're sitting at the railroad crossing kind of half there because your brain's occupied and you're tired and you're thinking about what's for dinner and you hear the you hear the ding 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 the arms have dropped and you see one car come rolling by (laughs) just this one car rolling by you (laughs) i had to wait to get to three miles per hour before somebody could jump on come on (laughs) really couldn't do it at five huh had to wait Mm. no it's not safe wait a minute well, they might have had trouble finding, I don't know, maybe who's maybe Usain Bolt was busy and couldn't come to run that fast to catch it. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, we have talked about man-made global cooling, man-made global warming, man-made climate change. We've yeah. talked about all of them over the years. And... It's kind of one of those things where if somebody buys into any of that, we just I just kind of shake my head now. Yeah, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> but when you hear about the Siberian winter, mm. there are very few things that actually surprise me. I mean, it's been uh, one of those things that if you grew up watching Hogan's Heroes, you heard about the Eastern Front, yeah. you know, going to Siberia. Yeah. I mean, these things were thrown out there as punchlines oftentimes, but there is now a marathon. <laughs> yep. And, and that marathon may have broken a Guinness World Record when runners braved temperatures of 63.4 degrees below zero. They're out running. Okay, after you go 3.4 degrees below zero, uh-huh. that would have actually 3.4 <laughs> degrees less than 40 degrees. I ain't running, you know? <laughs> Organized of, of this marathon called the Pole of Cold Marathon, and Yakutia, Russia, said the start time for the race was pushed up to the early morning on January 21st after weather forecasts indicated the temperatures would drop to 76 wow. degrees below zero in the afternoon. Oh, come on. You couldn't handle that. Come on. <laughs> what's another 13 Show degrees? Andy, come on. By that time, what's an, by that point, what's another 13 degrees? You can't feel your extremities I'm anyway. <laughs> Wow. The temperature during the race reached to a low of 63.4 below. Guinness World Records currently lists the world's coldest marathon as 2001's Siberian Ice Marathon, where the temperature was about 38 degrees below zero. Russian runner Vasily Lukin won the Pole of Cold Marathon in three hours, 22 minutes. Uh, Marina, uh, another person whose name I cannot and will not try to pronounce, uh, a local in Yakutia, uh, was the first woman to finish the race with a time of four hours and nine minutes. I'm just thinking, how do you run when you're covered up with all that, like Nanook of the North? I know. know, You know, I mean, you're you're not wearing a jogging outfit. No, no, you're not. And you're wearing, you've got to be wearing a face mask and everything or you would end up with frostbite i mean it would be bad right well i joked about extremities a a minute ago but think about your feet yeah think about your feet i know hands you know you but normally somebody in a marathon at some point they can't feel their feet they've been pounding on it for so long you know but in this case if you can't feel your feet you may never lose you may lose your feet LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag show, and we've had, it, it's been a wild morning, dude. The, you you really did lay it on thick. Uh, the stories what? that I, I'm, I'm waiting for you to say, every story today was a joke, man. I was just seeing how far you'd go with it, you know? Some days it just stacks up like, that way, you know? Yeah, I know. But now, a $7, a $7 thrift store chair auctioned off. So I'm guessing, 
the $7 thrift store chair that a guy had in his house. The minute he died, the family was throwing it out. And they went, nope, no, no, wait a minute. Let's get that Football appraised. chair might be worth something. Yeah. <laughs> it was a wood and wicker chair purchased from a thrift store in Britain. It was auctioned for more than $21,000 when it was identified as the work of an early 20th century artist. Auction house Swarters uh-huh. said a woman brought the chair, bought the chair, that is, for just under seven bucks at a thrift store in Brighton, England. <laughs> Um, she says, uh, when I got the chair home, I had a closer look and thought it looked really interesting. I emailed some pictures to the V and a museum, but had no response. Um, my next stop was Swarters. I emailed design specialist, John black, and he responded immediately. Black recognized the chair as the 1902 work of Austrian artist Coloman Moser. Black consulted a specialist on the Vienna Secession who confirmed his identification of the chair. Moser, a teacher at the Vienna School of Applied Arts, designed the chair as a modern reinterpretation of a, tr- of a traditional 18th century ladder back chair, according to the auction house. And the chair sold for $21,874.12 at auction. I mean, that's kind of cool. I'm kind of curious as to how you add the 12 cents when you're bidding. So I've got 21,874 and 10 cents. Do I hear 11? I'll go 12. I mean, so somebody goes, wait a minute. I just can't go 13. I just, uh, oh, nah. radio.fm it's the mark and mac show and you know this has been one of those days that there are a bunch of different stories that are coming from great britain and what happens it's like anything else when when people are prepping stories you know for news or weird news or whatever it's like you'll you'll hit this vein it's kind of like searching for gold okay he had this vein and it just seems like i've got five or six stories out of great britain and boom 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 you just nail them all at one time yeah and that's one of those days today is there have been a number of stories, you know, out of Great Britain that are just weird. OK. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of pile up because Mark and I'll shuffle them. Right. Well, yeah. this one has been shuffled around a couple of times <laughs> because I'm just thinking, really, um, <laughs> is this real? I mean, well, Mark, and we have how, how is it even possible? Yeah. And we're we're on in the UK. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. And, and you're right. I'm I not, am, I'm not dogging that. Yeah, I I'm just saying like, there'll be stories. All of a sudden you got five stories out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, you yeah, know, it, it just yeah, happens. It happens that weird. way. It does. Yeah. Well, the, there was a quartet of British men, not singers, just four guys. They broke a Guinness world record by playing a board game for more than 85 hours. Leopold. I always thought bored was an interesting way of looking at this. B O A R D or B O R E D. Either way you look at it, yeah. Yeah. Well, Leopold, Dale Poole, Adam Bircher, and Luke DeWitt Vine, members of the Herefordshire Board Gamers Group, played 79 <laughs> rounds. 79 rounds of the board game Dune, which is based on the same Frank Herbert novel as the 2021 film of the same name. For a total time of over 85 hours, the previous record was 80 hours set by four men in the Netherlands in 2017, and Guinness World Records told the British team they would have to best the record by at least five hours to be considered for official recognition. Oh, we can't have this 81 hours business. Oh, no. The gamers were allowed five minutes of break time for each hour they played, and they allowed the break times to accumulate so they could get a small amount of sleep. They said they had 21 minutes of break time unused when they finished their record attempt. Wow. The effort raised money for Alzheimer's UK and mental health charity Herefordshire Mind. Wow. I mean, good for them. Yeah. You know, taking something that just, I'm going to be honest with you. I would start plucking my eyebrow, you know, I'm like, I, I, yeah, give me a mirror and a pair of tweezers. I'm going to clean up my ear holes now, you know, but, I'm not kidding. It just, <laughs> what do you make me think of, you know, if he, if this is your life, think about it. Okay. Our life is built around food and fun, right? Yes. And in the UK, it's like they're staring at lead sculptures on their top, you know, and uh, wicker chairs and playing board games. Yes. But it did. And because while we were doing that, I was drifting, you know, uh, I'm like, you know, Great Britain's an odd place. I know that, that we, you know, that, that 
the, our connection to Great Britain and all that is, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'm just thankful we left some of it there <laughs> uh, because <laughs> they actually have to play games and things because of the food they eat, you know? Is that they get it? Too gross. You know, you and, I, you and I sit here and we're thinking, man, and we might do tacos, roast. We could do something really good for But if if you're in Great Britain and you're thinking about lunch, you got stuff like mm-hmm. toad in the hole, you know? Hey. <laughs> Rump, rumble thumps. Oh, come spotted on. Spotted dick. Mucky thinking. dripping. Uh-huh. Bread and dripping. Periwinkles. These are all actual real names <laughs> of British food, Mark. That if you go someplace, say, yeah, I'd like to uh, I'd like to order the uh, toad in the hole, please, uh-huh. for dinner. <laughs> toad in the hole. I don't even want to know what it is. Please don't I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm I am going to let you. Yeah. What about yeah. rumble thumps? I yeah. don't know. I know what bangers and, then, and mash is, but I don't want to know anything else. Of course, I else. Do, Yes, yeah. but... But mucky dripping. Can you imagine ordering mucky dripping, Mark? No. I'd like to mucky drip. Mucky dripping yeah. is what I have to throw out because LaDonna's going, ah, get rid of that mucky dripping. It's making me sick. <laughs> I was thinking that's what's left over after they clean the grill down at the barbecue joint. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, this has been one of those days that there are a bunch of different stories that are coming from Great Britain. Yeah. And what happens, it's like anything else. When when people are prepping stories, you know, for news or weird news or whatever, it's like you'll you'll hit this vein. It's kind of like searching for gold, okay? Yeah. He had this vein, and it just seems like I've got five or six stories out of Great Britain, and boom, 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 boom. You just nail them all at one time. Yeah. And that's one of those days today is there have been a number of stories, you know, out of Great Britain that are just weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of pile up because Mark and I'll shuffle them, right? Well, yeah. this one has been shuffled around a couple times <laughs> because I'm just thinking, really, um, <laughs> is this real? I mean, well, Mark, and we have, how, this- how is it even possible? Yeah. And we're, we're on in the UK. So why not? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. And, and you're right. I'm I, not, I'm not dogging that. Yeah, I'm I just agree. saying like, there'll be stories. All of a sudden you got five stories out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. You yeah, know, it, it just yeah, happens. It happens. It's that weird. Way. It does. Yeah. Well, the, there was a quartet of British men, not singers, just four guys. They broke a Guinness world record by playing a board game for more than 85 hours. Leopold. I always thought board was an interesting way of looking at this. B O A R D or B O R E D. Either way you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Leopold, Dale Poole, Adam Bircher, and Luke DeWitt Vine, members of the Herefordshire Board Gamers Group, played 79 <laughs> rounds. 79 rounds of the board game Dune, which is based on the same Frank Herbert novel as the 2021 film of the same name. For a total time of over 85 hours. The previous record was 80 hours set by four men in the Netherlands in 2017. And Guinness World Records told the British team they would have to best the record by at least five hours to be considered for official recognition. Oh, we can't have this 81 hours business. Oh, no. The gamers were allowed five minutes of break time for each hour they played, and they allowed the break times to accumulate so they could get a small amount of sleep. They said they had 21 minutes of break time unused when they finished their record attempt. Wow. The effort raised money for Alzheimer's UK and mental health charity Herefordshire Mind. Wow. I mean, good for them. Yeah. You know, taking something that just... I'm going to be honest with you. I would start plucking my eyebrow, you know, I'm like, I, I, yeah, give me a mirror and a pair of tweezers. I'm going to clean up my ear holes now, you know, but I'm not kidding. It just, <laughs> what do you make me think of, you know, if he, if this is your life, think about it. Okay. Our life is built around food and fun, right? Yes. And in the UK, it's like they're staring at lead sculptures on their top, you know, and uh, wicker chairs and playing board games. Yes. But it did. And because while we were doing it, I was drifting, you know, uh, I'm like, you know, Great Britain's an odd place. I know that, that we, you know, that, that our connection to Great Britain and all that is, oh, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But I'm just thankful we left some of it there uh, because they actually have to play games and things because of the food they eat you know is that they get it too gross. you know you and i you and i sit here and we're thinking man and we might do tacos roast we could do something really good for but if if you're in great britain and you're thinking about lunch you got stuff like mm-hmm. toad in the hole you know hey, 
rumble, rumble thumps. Oh, come on. Spotted dick. Mucky dripping. Uh-huh. Bread and dripping. Periwinkles. These are all actual real names of British food, Mark. That if you go someplace, say, yeah, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to order the uh, toad in the hole, please, uh-huh. for dinner. Toad in the hole. I don't even want to know what it is. Please don't. I'm not going to tell you. No, I'm going to let you. Yeah. What about Rumble Thumps? I yeah. don't know. I know what bangers and, then, and mash is, but I don't want to know. Of course, I else. Do, yes. Yeah. But but mucky dripping. Can you imagine ordering mucky dripping, Mark? No. I'd like the mucky drip. Mucky dripping yeah. is what I have to throw out because Ladonna's going. Ah, get rid of that mucky dripping. It's making me sick. I was thinking that's what's left over after they clean the grill down at the barbecue joint. But <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show we appreciate you joining us today because if you weren't listening to this show right now you would not know that miami has a peacock problem that's true i had no idea mark Mm -hmm. when i saw this in the list today i went really a peacock problem did nbc move down there (laughs) iguanas we knew about peacocks not so much yes well peacocks could be on the outs in some south florida neighborhoods after the miami dade commission agreed to loosen a law protecting the birds while the 20 year old law still protects peacocks from harm commissioners agreed tuesday to allow cities to opt out if they present appropriate plans to humanely remove these birds they call them divisive birds from areas where they're not wanted this is according to the miami herald quote mating season is when we get the most complaints they get very aggressive <laughs> they lay their eggs, they build their nests, they pack the cars. That's what uh, Raquel Regaldo, uh, Regalado, uh, she's the dis- uh, whose di- her district includes <laughs> neighborhoods in Coral Gables in my in Miami, yeah. where these peacocks oh, roam freely. Coral Gables, Florida, isn't yeah. that where that guy built the castle? Um, no, Coral uh, that was the UFO thing. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Coral Gables. Uh, that, that's, that's down near Homestead. Um, Anyway, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've actually been there. I've seen that. Um, neighbors often clash over peacocks. Some love the colorful birds. Others complain about the droppings, the noise, the damage they cause by roosting on cars and houses. I, you, you may not know this, but peacocks screech. They sound like women screaming. It's just, it's just a horrible sound. Um, Commissioner Danielle Cohen Higgins, she represents the Palmetto Bay Area. It was it designated itself a bird sanctuary. She said, in my district, we learn to live with these peacocks. They almost uh-huh. become a part of the community. I know our residents uh-huh. lose it when anyone harms any of these peacocks. Non-native species have a tendency to wear out their welcome in sunny Florida, where the State Wildlife Commission has encouraged the killing of iguanas and Burmese pythons. The county's 2001 peafowl ordinance it's peafowl, that's what they're called, it was adopted following a petition to uh, drive to save a flock of peacocks in South Miami-Dade, forbidding their killing or capture. An exemption allowed homeowners to remove them, and one neighborhood did so in 2020 after an amendment allowed for removal of excess peacocks. How do you know how many are <laughs> what? excess peacocks? That's what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do we have, like, okay, eight is fine, but nine, got to get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> I would say there's too many when I find one pecking on my car and ruining the paint. Oh, that's too many peacocks. We're Mark, sitting on accidentally, the- you can accidentally run over a lot of things, okay? <laughs> Your Honor, I Happens. didn't see that huge, colorful bird. I really didn't. <laughs> um, really? Well, prove I didn't. You know, come on. Look, man, who's the road for? The cars or the birds? He can... <laughs> Uh, the crosswalk was meant for people, not peacocks. There you go. I mean, uh, immediately I'm thinking this is not a problem. But <laughs> I, again, the things I didn't know about Florida, you know, yeah. I mean, I knew the iguana thing. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that was a problem. Yeah. I mean, and the Burmese it's a weird pythons, problem. Yeah. 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 Now the Python thing, that's kind of, I've only found out about that recently, yeah. but like I said, the iguana thing kind of got me because they, they just look like miniature dinosaurs, yeah. you know, when you look at them. Yeah. But peacocks i don't picture peacocks being a problem i picture peacocks as something that we see at the zoo or whatever mm. and we go oh look at that you yeah. know yeah but i can't imagine if all of a sudden you know that's when we're paying to see them right and we go that's a pretty cool thing we mm. learn a little history on the peacocks yeah but if your daily walk to the car is jumping around the droppings and dealing with the screeching you know <laughs> i was gonna say screeching women but you know what i mean yeah yeah if that's your daily life mm-hmm. it's like 
you know what? It's time to teach the 12 year old to drive. You know? <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mag show as we uh we're cruising along singing a song side by side uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i had to get it. i was trying to squeeze it in there but i yeah. just couldn't man hey all right we've had a couple of record-breaking things today mm-hmm. and so i thought you know what mark we need to break out the old guinness book of world records and start counting tattoos oh. but not any tattoo oh no a man we're in not New talking York. about the plane the plane <laughs> not that little guy which i no. do think that would be interesting i'd like to see the tattoos of tattoos that could be kind of cool <laughs> that's really strange and an interesting yes. that's actually a great idea you go into a there tattoo parlor and say yes would you like a tattoo yes i would of what a tattoo i'd like a yes. tattoo of tattoo please what <laughs> get to it you'd have to take mm-hmm. your own picture of Hervé villages with you <laughs> so, yeah yeah because <laughs> nobody nobody now would know who he was <laughs> well that's true yeah well this guy in new york earns a guinness world, world record with by getting 864 tattoos of insects bu- uh. bugs on his body and uh, he revealed an unexpected mm. fact about himself he actually hates bugs <laughs> Michael Amoya was confirmed by Guinness World Records as earning the record for most insects tattooed on the body when his tattoos were officially tallied at 864. Amoya wow. took the record from British man Baxter Milsom, who had 402 insects tattooed on his body. Amoya, whose tattoos began with a red ant queen inked on his forearm when he was 21 years old, said people often wrongly assume that he loves insects. Quote, a lot of people think I like bugs. Actually, it's the complete opposite. I'm afraid of bugs. I hate bugs. But it, it has multiple meanings. That's why I put them all mm-hmm. over my body. Uh, that's what he told uh-huh. Guinness. It's some dark meaning, but more of a positive message. I don't care. Yeah. What about Bunny? The guy says he hates bugs. What about oh. Bunny? <laughs> what a maroon. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Kill this. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on liferadio.fm.